Greetings to you, dear listeners, and welcome to the return of the UK Scriptwriters Podcast, because we've had a little bit of a mini-break, because we were doing our debut feature film, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, but we're not going to talk about that today. I'm going to introduce you to my good friend and colleague, Tim Clegg. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, We've been doing the UK Scriptwriters Podcast for four long years now, so now we have you. Yes, you can't get rid of it. You can't get. You can't get rid of us. Can't get rid of us. For those who've just um, found us, thank you. Uh, we get emails from people um, finding us all the time, saying, "Oh my God, didn't know you were around." Thanks for the podcast. So thank yeah. you. Almost too many episodes for people to to catch to, up to now. Catch up on, but you don't need to. There's not a story from start to finish with the podcast. Um, we uh, we just sort of uh, scrabble around different topics that are of interest to writers for the screen, um, all types of screen, film, TV, sometimes games, sometimes interactive. We've uh, we've kind of danced around the edges of comics, but that's about it. Um, but uh, if you're a, a writer, a, a, um, a writer who's just starting out, um, if you're an established TV writer, if you're a writer that's doing stuff for games that wants to do TV or the other way around, there's all this is for you. You can dip in and dip out. If you scroll through the website, you can see the subjects and the topics and you can pick and choose what you like. Yes. You can do it in a very non-linear way, uh, which ties into what we're going to oh, talk about. What a link! See? <laughs> oh man, I'm such a pro. Uh, because we had in mind t- today to talk about structure. Yeah. So we're going to talk about craft of screenwriting. Yeah, we do craft sometimes and we also have special guests and, um, you know, we love the special guest ones. But because we've been a bit tied up in the feature, we haven't had time to organise a guest. But um, myself and Danny, when working on Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, um, uh, wanted to find, because it's a bit zany, Zany kids comedy, a zany type kids film, yeah. adventure and action and bits and bobs going on. We wanted a, a really rigorous structure to bind all that together to stop it just being a bunch of stuff that happens. Then it's the end. Yeah, um, we have so, to keep a tight rein on that. Yeah, and mainly we, for production reasons as well. Yeah, in we, terms of budget. Yeah, that's right. And we started off with with a kind of a three act thing, and it was a bit. It doesn't really help us because all you end up with is a giant second act that doesn't doesn't do anything. And just all your ideas just end up in there and you're none the wiser. And then um, Danny was telling me about a kind of a Pixar structure that really helped us. And maybe you guys will know about it or not. But even if you do, we can tell you about how it worked for us at a practical level. Yes, I'm very excited about it. I call it the Pixar poker structure. And it's something I saw online via Twitter. It was an exec from Pixar who just described the structure that Pixar use Mm. and how they break down the three-act structure. Yeah. And they likened it to a poker game. Before you say it, Danny, it just reminds me, even when when you're talking about it's from Pixar, that, uh, and I've been guilty of this before, uh, sometimes we try too hard to be funky Mm. and original. And um, we were talking to... uh, Sam Moore, DOP of Nelson Nutmeg, and we talked about the trailer. Yeah. And he was saying, for goodness sake, don't try and do a clever trailer. Mm-hmm. Just watch the trailers of really successful kid films and just do what they do. Mm. And I think this structure is of a like mind, which is like, okay, so this is a structure that's been used yeah. by those guys. 
But hey... Who've been slightly successful. Haven't they been really <laughs> successful? So let's just, like, in some ways, not just rip them off or copy them, but let's actually listen to what they've done and then adapt it or tweak around with it or expand it or take it a bit further. Exactly. Or whatever. But let's start from the point of view of someone that's that makes, you know, a billion dollars a film. That might be a good place to start. Which is um, why I'm surprised nobody talks about this more often. Um, but in that way, I don't think I've seen it online anywhere else. All right. And in fact, I've tried to find the tweet that the Pixar person posted. So you take it down. And so I don't I, give that away. I can't, I can't find it anywhere. So. All right, so this is like some. This is like. I'm, I may have dreamt be- the whole thing. This has now become some exclusive. It is. I'm, UK scriptwriter's exclusive. Kind of. Okay, I good. put it on my blog, uh, but even then, people were like, eh, that's interesting. It didn't catch fire or anything. And no. I'm like, it's changed my life. It's uh, Yeah, I really liked it's it. It's really good. I'll tell you why I liked it, because it almost just reflects back maybe what you've got a gut feeling for. Yeah. So it, it's just a way of concreting up maybe what you probably do as a writer already but if you get a bit stuck you've got this to fall back on and go well that's why this middle bit's a bit flabby mm. all right tell us yes okay here it is uh it picks our liken the three-act structure to a poker game they break it down into five main beats so the inciting incident is when you the hero are dealt a hand mm. uh so that's that's a nice way of putting it and the end of Act 1, then, is when you decide to bet. So you've had your hand, you're looking at it, you're mm. kind of debating the ups and downs of it. You don't want yeah. to really get involved, but no. you really have to. But I've got a hand. But I've got a hand, so I'm going to take a punt to solve the problem of the story, and away you go. So the midpoint of Act 2, which is, this is what I find most useful now, is uh, when you decide to bet all in. Mm. So all of your money, all of your stakes in jeopardy, uh, go into the pot. There's no turning back. It's the point of no return. And we know we know this kind of from the three act structure anyway. The midpoint, but at the same time, midpoints are so difficult to do properly. Mm. Um, and I think that little tip about it's you, you're just all in now. There's no yeah. turning back. Yeah. I think that's really a helpful reminder. Uh, basically, ask yourself if the hero could kind of give up and go back to their normal lives. Um, yeah. And nothing would change. Yeah. Then that's a bad. Thing. You've gone wrong already. Yeah. At that point, that we need to go back and strengthen that up. Yeah. So, and then the end of Act Two is when you seemingly lose, uh, which you, Blake Snyder's thing is like the all is lost hmm. kind of bad, yeah. bad yeah. guys close in all that kind of stuff. But sticking to the Pixar thing, end of Act Two, yeah, you seemingly lose, and then in the third act, final act, you have a final twist, stroke, denouement of hmm. things, kind of panning out yeah where you get the result you want and or need because they might not be the same thing yeah um and that's just that was described in one tweet <laughs> and i just thought that's that's genius yeah uh, it helped to kind of crystallize uh, and sharpen just my idea of the three-act structure yeah and where you could be but i see it i see it almost as a five-act structure yeah but, but you, you can apply it to like the second act midpoint but why not call that second act midpoint act three or whatever? Yeah, you know the the, the kind of all or all or nothing. Um, to me, means that you've actually got a chance rather than that being a midpoint. You've got it as an act. It means that you're building up for the act. The act has to play out. Characters can come and go. Mm-hmm. So whereas a midpoint act two to me makes it a pivot, so it becomes one scene. Yeah, but I think an act that builds slowly to that point 
of all or nothing. So things almost, do you know what I mean? They're crystallising around that moment. Yeah. makes it easier for me to understand it. Yeah. I tell you what, where it helps me as well. It crystallises the concept in terms of having more focus on the hero yeah. who has a clear objective yeah. and has clear conflict in their way. Because we can all get a bit wishy-washy with our log lines or our core concept of the film. But if you don't have that hero with that clear objective and clear piece of conflict in their way, yeah, that's what the structure is going to hinge on, really. Yeah, and I thought I thought that helped me to kind of go, oh, my idea isn't as strong as I think it is, really, yeah. because the hero isn't leading the story in the way that they should. No, um, I mean I think you could even I'm only thinking out aloud now, but it almost sounds to me like if I was plotting out a thing now, I'd start there with that middle. Yeah, yeah. Because like, what has someone got that they're going to lose? What's their, what's their all, and what is their nothing? Mm-hmm. That's them, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if you knew any characters all and their, and any characters nothing, and what they're aiming for, I mean, that's going to give you pretty much a, a, you know eighty percent of your story in a way, isn't it? Because where what are they risking? What do they want out of life? What yeah. are they going for? What is it they want? What is it they need? You've got to answer all those questions to get that to get that sorted out. Yes. I remember in this very kitchen, Tim, we spoke about <clears throat> developing Nelson Nutmeg. And we, we had our characters and we had our story. Mm. And we kind of were talking about it at the time as an ensemble piece. Because we had our gang of characters yeah. and all the rest of it. Uh, and then I, came, I told you about the Pixar poker thing. Which helps to focus just on one person. Mm. So even though we've got a gang of characters who are all doing things together for the same goal, there is one person above them all who's the hero. I agree. But who gives you the anchor, who gives you the focus kind of thing. I agree, but I disagree. Yeah. Because I know you were kind of like... Mm. No, because um, linking through to something that uh, our friend Paul Draper, who was a London Screenwriters Festival virgin this year... Yeah. Another stonking year by all accounts, but from what I hear. From what we, did, we weren't there, folks, but um, uh, our good friend Suki went and Paul went, and it was the first time for both of them. So they got a lot out of it because I think your first year you get the most out of it because it's all new and there's all new people to make, to meet, rather. Anyway, Paul's one of Paul's favourites, he was telling me, was Linda Aronson's uh, sort of unusual structures uh, course and uh, she's got a book as well which I can't recommend enough because that's really helped me but she looks at an ensemble and how you can have a group and just replace that that hero if you like with a group and it gives you another layer so long as you look at the dynamics between the ensemble so the problem with these talks when we talk about hero's journey or five act and you have to have an all or nothing is that you can um, easily misunderstand that to mean it must be a singular person. But you can have all of these ideas that we're talking about today with a couple or three or a gang or whatever because maybe the all or nothing is the gang staying together or falling apart. You, do, you see what, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so you, 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 your downbeat could be the disillusionment of the the whole team yeah. so then you're back to, you know in an Avengers way or whatever yeah um, so you can easily apply this to, to to groups as we kind of did because in a way without uh, spoiling it for people but our kind of when things get dark mm-hmm. is actually the gang our gang of kids in the story falling apart mm. for various reasons yeah so the whole strength of being together to solve a mystery yeah. goes, goes a bit wrong 
Well, here's where I've magpied and pick and choose from different structures to help us with nutmeg. Um, and even with separate stories that I'm kind of developing, I'm using the Pixar poker structure as the, the launching point, yeah. as the kind of uh, skeleton for the structure. Then going to Blake Snyder's beat sheet. Yeah. Um, and there's three bits in his beat sheet that I find really useful, which is the build up to the um, all is lost moments. It's like uh, the bad guys close in. Yes. Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah. And then all is lost. And I like those three sections in the run up to the end of Act Two because they ensure proper character development for your mm. hero, that they're going through emotional range of experience. Yeah. Not just kind of superficially gliding by and the baddies have turned up. It's like, oh dear, what, you know. So those three sequences leading up to the end of Act Two, pinching them from Blake Snyder, but putting in them into the Blake uh, putting putting them into the po- poker Pixar poker thing Pixar poker um, say it three times and you get <laughs> you win a prize I you know I think it's helped well maybe I was telling rubbish stories before I don't know it's just like my characters feel stronger yeah or the character development feels stronger yeah um, no it's like a bit of um, it's using the if you use all, any of these things in the correct way. Mm. It's not about constraining your creativity. It's a lot of people, make, or a lot of beginner writers think it's about. It's actually about giving yourself some feedback. Indeed. So come up with your idea, as we did. We just brainstormed something out. And then we knew it was a bit flabby. So we, we gave ourselves the feedback of applying these tools to it. You know, does that strengthen it? Well, some bits of, of Blake Snyder didn't fit it and... Or were already there, or in fact weakened it because we were trying to do something else. And then other bits, we thought, yeah, we need that, and it's a bit, it's a bit wishy washy. So let's strengthen that up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we were giving ourselves the feedback by using those tools rather than writing a first draft, sending it away, and getting the feedback from somebody else. We were actually just ahead of the game all the time by applying these tools. I don't think that's how people should use them. Well, yeah. What I enjoy about the process as well, even separately um, when I'm not working with you, is that the, the whole craft issue of structure and everything else we um, study and learn and whatever, there's always something more to understand, even on a basic level. There's always something yeah. that's clicking, going, oh, I see what really that means now. Mm. Or that inciting incident is really strong here because it, you know, sets up the, what's known as the obligatory scene and all this kind of stuff. Have you heard of the obligatory scene? No. That's another um, discussion topic for another day. Um, <laughs> well, I look forward to that one. Yeah. So it, it all starts to click into your head a bit more rather than, yeah, I understand three-hour structure. Yeah. yeah, this, 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 and this. But really, it, there's, you know, there's proper stuff going on around it. Yeah, I, I, I'm such a, I'm such a, as I've already said on this podcast episode and all through the podcast, uh, you know, I dislike the three-act structure as any kind of teaching tool because I just feel it doesn't help you. You know, it's fine to look at it and understand it and you must understand it to have a conversation with other people, other writers or other people involved in the writing process. But as an actual tool... I find it doesn't... How does that help you? Do you know what I mean? I find all these kind of discussions about anything five-act or the beat sheet or the hero's journey or any of the... Or Linda Aronson's non-linear ideas, I find all of those much more practical. 
about that actually gives you something to do and measure yourself against. Whereas the three acts, I think, is a layer that you put on, on top, but doesn't actually guide you or help you if you're in the corner. Well, I'll, I'll tell you where it helps me, and I don't know if I've told you this before, where the three-act structure has earned me money. Okay. So uh, early on in my career, pitching for TV shows in yeah. terms of to write for them. Yeah. Uh, so say Doctors, BBC's Doctors. So what you do is you pitch your one-pager or your two-page kind of story idea. Yeah. And my first few goes, I was getting rejected. And they, they were just saying, not enough story, uh, not enough twists and turns, a bit too predictable. Mm. And I was thinking, well, what? You know, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and I spent a lot of time on that idea. How could it fall short? Kind of yeah. Thing? So then I thought, okay, well, what can I do to make it better if that's the feedback I'm getting? So I thought, well, let's go back to the three-act structure. Mm. I purposely outline something in the three-act structure way. Uh, so I would lay down the headings first, inciting incident, end of act one, midpoint, end of act two, and then whatever. And then I would write a rough synopsis based on that skeleton. Yeah. And then I would take the headings away completely and ignore it and just follow you know, yeah. the instincts of where to improve the story and what I preferred in the story. And then I would send off the synopsis when I was good and happy. But then I started getting commissioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll commission this. But that's sort, of, that's sort of what I'm saying as well, though, in the fact that, you know, you didn't have three headings, Danny. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like that, you need to go to five. Mm. You knew, Almost you were applying the Pixar structure. Yeah, I was, yeah. Do you, because, you see what I'm saying? I find it, that useful to, it, to work with, but I find the three act useless because it has to be fuds to make it work. Like yeah. putting in midpoints and stuff like this. Those extra little bits... They're like the midpoint. They're the thing. Yeah, because they ensure the twists and turns. Yeah. But the key thing is, well, the feedback of like, yes, we'll commission this one. None of them said, oh, we really liked your three-act structure there. No. Or, we really liked your midpoint reversal. No. no none of that. They no. just were like, yeah, this works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have evidence, like proper practical evidence, professional evidence of story people knowing when the story works. Yeah. And they might not be able to articulate it. But you've done the work, so you'll be able right. to really articulate it. That's it. So I've been doing that ever since, really. Uh, even for animation shows that are 11 minutes long. Yeah. And you think, oh, you don't need much story. Uh-uh. Yeah. You do. Yeah, of course. Because um, they move real fast. They move so they? fast. I mean, some 11-minute scripts I'm exhausted by because they move so fast. Yeah. And you so much ideas go into them. Yeah. Uh, but again, I start with the three-act structure or those five beats, say. Yeah. So I know that I have a good shape. Yeah. And that's the key thing. I think shape. Once you know you have a good shape, yeah. Regardless of whatever it is, twenty-two steps, nine act, five act, Frey tags pyramid. Uh, well, let's make up a new one. Yeah, of our own. Oh, we should do. Yeah, <laughs> then we could write a book. Yeah. <laughs> what um, I was just trying to remember. This is a genuine. I can't remember rather than a, a podcast fake one. I was trying to remember what Nigel said to us as our feedback. Um, because he had some tweaks that he brought in. And Nigel, they were Nigel Cole, Nigel director Cole. of Calendar Girls and, and he, Maiden Dagenham. He helped, he helped us by bringing in um, some antagonists um, to keep the kids on their toes in the film. But I, I, Which I was a really good tip. It was a really good because tip. Because we thought we had enough conflict in their way and we didn't. Oh, we didn't. And so that strengthened it. So we were really happy to do that. And it gave us comedy because you've got a com- comedy villain. So and we were happy all around with that. If we say so ourselves, a brilliant character that we can't wait for you to see. Oh, yeah. And, the, yeah. and Russell, who played him, brought him really to life and mm. added more to him. Mm. But because there was so much potential in it. So that was a fantastic idea. But I remember him saying, you guys have done the hard bit, which is that you've got characters you cared for and they're on a journey. 
And I think that's where we were really pleased that we'd used these tools because it felt like the character and the story were one thing mm. because we've used these to apply to mm. it to say what would they be frightened of if you like what would they what would be their darkest hour yeah you know we'd really sort of thought that through so when Nigel reads it he's just going this is great you've done all the all the hard work whereas we just applied tools to it and a bit of imagination well, that's, and done a bit of rigorous work on that's it. good to point out actually because when we met him and he said that I'm just I sat there thinking oh he's just saying that to be nice mm. of course he isn't he's no reason to no, you know he's mad us because he, he liked the. Well, he probably and... wouldn't have shown up to be fair exactly. if he if he if he hadn't have like he'd just said he was too too busy. <laughs> but as you say, it's like the hardest part almost is getting the characters right because once you get the Char- characters, the characters, right. the characters that make sense in the story. Yeah, I think you can write interesting characters, but unless unless they're doing stuff, they're just figures on a page, aren't they? Mm. You've got no evidence to say that they're interesting without the story. Yes, it is the same thing. And here's this advanced crossover now, because you can talk about structure as an intellectual thing and understand Mm. it and grasp it. But here's where the characters begin to take away the structure from you and enforce their own structure on it. Yeah. Um, And it becomes like just a nice mesh of proper storytelling stuff. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, you don't have an end of act one there. It's just like, forget that. The character is like doing this and that's what we like. Yeah, that's um, right. I think only when you've gone to that stage is that your draft one. Mm. You know, I think that's where you should be. Th- when, you, when you're when you at that point, when you're, to me, that's when I start writing. So when I've planned out, you know, the characters and the story and it works together as a whole, all in planning, all in notes and bits of post-its on a page or whatever. Only then would I actually draft, start drafting that mm-hmm. out. Um, I know other people feel differently about that. They're happy to just crack on with a, with a story yeah. or, or a character and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But that's not, you, you know me, I can't do it like that. Well, what I'm finding interesting as well, like uh, most of us like discussing structure or like talking about story, but sometimes when you talk about it to some writers, they're like, they don't like the notion of it. Mm. Don't talk to me about three actions. I find it too imposing. Yeah. Um, or, you know, even when you explain it to them, they're like, oh, that, it's not helpful to me now because it's mm. just in my head and I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Mm. And I find that that's really interesting. Mm. No, I, well, but I, I'm like, I just use it when I'm, you know. But that's what I'm saying. This is how to use it because they see it as a prescriptive method rather than a tool in your tool bag. Mm. I think that's the difference. Mm. It's, not, um, it's not a recipe. It's an ingredient. Yeah. So if you te- if you think about it in that way, it's not a set of orders to follow. It's um, it's a useful tool that you may choose to to use or not use or use a bit of. It's not like a religion mm. where you have to sign up. Yeah, <laughs> and you go every Sunday. And if you don't go every Sunday, you go into hell. It's not like it's like if you don't storytelling hell. If you use four out of the five bits of poker or you use six out of the five because you add an extra one for an extra twist. Mm. You know, that's allowed. Mm, you know, absolutely. it's all up it's all up it's all up to you. But I think the more that you've got these ideas, the more you can pull them out of the bag when you need them. Because if you if you don't know them, you can't use them. Ah, that's correct. That's all it is, isn't uh, it? You I, might you that's why I think I'm, I'm not it seems like I'm on some sort of push. But that's why I like going to Linda Aronson's courses or talks or reader books because 
she's got unique ideas in there about looping structure or flashback stories. So if we were doing um, like a flashback story, as in there's a you know an old guy telling a story about when he was young, and then there's two stories in parallel, you know you might struggle to kind of fit the five act or three act or any of these other structures into it. But she's got some structure tips to help you. Great. Now you don't even I can't even remember what those are, but I remember the book. So mm. if I was doing one of those or someone I was trying to help someone, I would point them to that chapter. Mm. It's just knowing all these bits and bobs to when you need them, you can get them. Yes. Having said that, you can't find that tweet again. But anyway, no. beyond that, it was so good you memorized it. But yeah, but even when I'm working though, uh I think, and maybe this is just myself, but I think most of us uh, rely on our instincts just to carry us forward going, I'm writing a story and I'm having fun. But then when we get stuck yeah, and you really get stuck or say go beyond structure and let's go kind of macro structure of a scene mm. where a scene just doesn't feel right or it's not working, then I'll actually st- yeah. stop and break it down yeah. into like, okay, what is the scene about? Yeah, Whose scene is it? Uh, how many beats to the scene do I want in it? Yeah. And it immediately improves the scene once I actually... Well, that's your, that's, time that's my favourite phrase. We did use it on set. Maybe not on set, set a few times, but we used it in our rewrites and uh, communications in rehearsals more often. But that, that what you said there is my favourite one, which is whose scene is it? Whose scene because, is it? Because... Um, just knowing that answers all the other questions somehow. Yeah, absolutely. it's like the nub of it, isn't it? Because if you get that right and you understand that, then the rest of it's just window dressing. I don't mean that to be disparaging, but what I mean is like if you understand that, you can answer any other questions about how do you shoot it? Should you do you need to rewrite it? Is it too long? Is it too short? Is it doing what it needs to do? All those things can be easily answered in three seconds once you understand. The, the scene question yeah uh, so that was something I'd not really heard before but you used it a lot and so it really helped yeah that was all tying into my chart thing at the beginning as well which uh, I found really useful yeah we talked about that in the last podcast uh, but, folks more about this but. but just more just to have that clarity in your head because you know what it's like on set you have 10 million questions coming at you mm. and it's easy to get distracted and forget something mm. or what even the scene is supposed to be about because somebody will get excited about an idea yeah. that they just had and yeah. they're like oh yeah let's run with that and you've just all of a sudden forgotten what you're all yeah because it is exciting but at the same time it's not it's not moving the story along is yeah it? Uh, and even the DOP was sometimes uh, would say you know well whose scene is it or whatever yeah because uh, he, even he was interested yeah, um, and that's that. That's another thing because, um, you know, we talk about these things, uh, everything we talked about in this podcast, again, as if it's a writer's tool, which it kind of is, but they're so well known, these tools, and um, that uh, having a good understanding and having a few ideas like this is really an industry tip. So, like you say, Sam DOP would know about it. These are things of all of interest to Tim Meredith, the special effects uh, 3D graphics guy. He would quite often talk about um, Save the Cat or, you know, he, like, so he does 3D graphics. You imagine how nerdy and detailed he is and how you would th- you would think that's someone that doesn't know about story. No, he knows everything about story. Um, and like you say, like production people, they will know. Obviously, development people will know. 
commissioning people will know, actors will know. So it's not just a writer's isolated tool, like, say, a cameraman might have a gubbins tool that only he knows what it does, right? And only he needs to know what it does. It's not like that at all. It's more like the use of a term close-up when we're talking about some of these structures. So really being a master of it is important because you, it's an it's a industry-wide... These are industry-wide terms that, you, that you're being seen as the expert of. Yeah. So again, even if you don't use them... I don't think that matters. But knowing them does matter because you're supposed to be the guy that knows about these things. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and everyone else half knows about yeah. them and will ask you about them. So even if you say, I don't use the three act, here's why, like I might, mm-hmm. I at least acknowledge it and say, you could split it in this way if you want to go that way, mm-hmm. but I prefer this and here's why because it adds more range or whatever. Um, so yeah, knowledge is, is helpful. But, and, and these are just basic stuff as well basic kind of building tools or building blocks i mean the more familiar you are with the basics the more knowledgeable or proficient you will be in your storytelling it's like learning a language you know you learn a verb and you've learned it and you move on but if you don't practice it or if you don't re-familiarize yourself with it you know you're not going to get any better at it even though it's a basic thing um no it's like the one we haven't talked about but it's one of my favorites the sequence approach Mm. You know, which says that you actually just got a film that's based on sequences, mm-hmm. and that as long as each sequence is kind of really powerful, you can in fact just string them along. Yeah, and that's how you can get longer films like Lawrence of Arabia or something. They're actually sequences. Um, or Godfather, yeah. Or and Godfather. Anything that's epic usually has a sequence. Uh, yeah, sequence, sequential structure. Or that's right. Five act structure. That's right. The sequence approach doesn't work for an eleven-minute animated uh, cartoon no. you know short thing so it, it's again but you know if you were thinking about it in an epic way let's dip into the sequence approach let's know it get it out refresh our minds mm. with it is that going to help us here or not mm. what if we broke each sequence into five acts mm. not three start joining these things up in a clever way yeah and suddenly it looks like you're a genius that's invented something new but you just you're just putting things together in a new way that's all it is Anyway, is that enough structure talk? Yeah, probably is, Danny. I can hear the snores of the listeners as they're falling asleep. No, this will be everyone's favourite, mate. This yeah. will be everyone's favourite. I hope so. Well, you know, as long as everyone's still listening, that's good. If you're on the, your way to work on the bus tube, whatever, thank you for downloading and listening to us. Um, if you want to find us online, we're at UK Scriptwriters on Facebook and on Twitter. And the email is ukscriptwriters at hotmail.com. Drop us an email, say hello, tell us where you're listening from, what your plans are, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, let us know. I mean, this is one where, if you, if, if, do you use a structure that we haven't talked about here all the time? Then I think get, definitely get in touch. Yeah. And we'll yeah. share it with the wider world if any, we can. Any suggestions for topics you'd like discussed or any uh, particular people we might have reach for to interview? Yeah, that's it. That's it, I think. So... Uh, we hope to be back a bit more regular. We hope to be back with um, some interviews if we can arrange those. It's getting near Christmas, so that becomes tricky again. So sorry about that. It's just how it's worked out. But at least we're busy, so that's good. I uh, hope you guys are busy writing, trying new things, hopefully making some money. And um, we'll see you soon. If you've never heard of Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, our oh, yeah. film that we just finished, check it out, um, check it out at nelsonnutmeg.com and Facebook at Nelson Nutmeg because there's loads of photos and info information there. Yeah. But we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers then. Bye. Bye.